You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I talk to people who I find inspiring and intriguing. We get into their life journey, or as much as we can get into, to see what got them to where they are today, not just the new shiny thing. Because I believe so often we are putting our worth, our value, our success, our fulfillment on once I do this, get this, be this. And I believe that we can claim your worth, success, value, fulfillment, all the things right now where you are and then move through your life from that place to take you where you also want to go. On today's episode, I got to talk to Robin Lucas whose first novel just came out called Paper Doll Lena. I was super intrigued because, one, the book gets into some domestic violence stuff. It's a great read. It's not super heavy. There's fun. There's lightness. But it touches on some, some stuff. And so I had to know, what made her write this story? How did she become a novelist now with grown kids and all of that? And so I love talking to Robin. Go check out the book, Paper Doll Lena, and let her, her story, the bit that we hear, you know, be a reminder that you can start something at any age, at any time. You can make a big change. You can make a small change today. I love getting into people's life journey. And I especially usually like talking about like, what was life like for you growing up and especially Mm -hmm. high school ages? Because I feel like in high school, that's where there can be a lot of pressure on ourselves and from the outside world and inside of ourselves. Like, what are we supposed to do with the rest of our lives? So what was life like for you in high school? Oh boy, high school. <laughs> high school. Um, let's see. I did a lot of pageants in pageants. high school. Pageants. I um I know I was that girl. I was How that did girl, you get into pageants? I liked dresses <laughs> without sounding shallow. I did. I just I love dresses and I love being on stage. Um and I saw it as a scholarship opportunity to, you know, get as many scholarships as I can and you know, my high school started it and uh, I was like, I'm going to do it. And I ended up winning and I went on to do a few more that I won. And, and I thought that was really cool. And I did a few in college. But yeah, high school was great. And gosh, now that I'm thinking back on it, my high school life was great, but my life at home was not so great. Wow. We're what, two minutes into this? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I'm seeing some parallels this right now. This always happens. People are um, like, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. Yeah, I I'd never – I honestly have never thought about that. But yeah, my um, um, at high school was, was fabulous, like when I was at school. But as soon as I, I got on the bus to go home, it was, uh, it was really rough. You know, my dad was an investigator for the state. He was like a police officer. Um, my stepmom, she was a magistrate. So like I could do no wrong. Um, so to say, but they were very, uh, my stepmother was a horrible narcissist and she was really, really difficult to live with. And my father, you know, he, he had his own issues. He 
was a Vietnam vet and he had his own thing going on. So it was a very toxic environment. Do you feel like that might have also like what propelled you into doing pageants? Like then you had something to focus on and like get out of the house and like, yeah, just something to focus on. Probably. Probably. I I never thought about that. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so I am... I didn't. Wow, I need to be laying on a couch or something right now. <laughs> yeah, lay <Hold> down. <laughs> Let's get into your life. <laughs> it's one of those podcasts. Okay. Uh, uh, let me go change my clothes really fast. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued by the pageants. I When I grew up, I went to like all Catholic schools in Cincinnati, Ohio. I didn't know anybody in pageants. So, like, I didn't, I don't really have any experience with, you know, of course, it's just watching and being like in awe of people that did, you know, the big ones on TV. But for me, what comes up now thinking back is like, man, the self-esteem, like, I guess if you're winning them, then that gives you some. But if I, the reason that podcast is named Claim It is so often we're putting these things, you know, that we want to feel outside of ourselves. So even though you had been winning pageants, that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you must have been so self-assured. You must have felt like I'm beautiful. No. I'm amazing. People love me because that's what we would no. think, right? Oh, if this person's winning pageants, they must be like so self-confident, right? Like what was that like for real? I struggled with bulimia really bad in high school um, because I could never be perfect enough for like my stepmom, you know, and for my dad, you know, no matter how then I got, I was always fat. You know, I remember being 130 pounds and they were never satisfied. And I'm like fitting into a size six, no, I think it was five, six dress at the time. And I mean, I could see my collarbones, you know, I loved my collar. I was so proud of my collarbones. I'm telling you this now. (laughs) And you know, the little pivot right here and, uh, the little, the little things that you could see in your body. And, um, it was never enough. It was really never enough. And that was not just for you. That was for them. That was for them. It was. It was. Okay. So when high school's coming to an end, what did you do? For me, thinking about about that environment, were you like, let get me out of here? Or what happened to you once high school ended? I I ended up going to college. I ended up going to college locally. Um, Locally. Locally. Yeah. Yeah. Because I no one really prepared me for college. You know, I I ended up, um, I was in ROTC at the time and I thought that I was going to eventually go that route because, you know, my dad was a green beret for 20 something years. And I was kind of going in that, that those footsteps, so to say, because I wanted the approval and, um, more or less, I, I ended up not taking that route. I ended up turning down an ROTC scholarship Um, and that caused a lot of friction between my parents and I. So you stayed around, followed your your father's footstep a bit. So it sounds like, yeah, like where I, I mean, I come from a more like, yeah, get me out of your run where it's like, you are then still just seeking the approval. I didn't even think about it. Had I known, I would be like, I'm in Hawaii. Bye. (laughs) Right. But like now looking back, you think like, oh, it was just part of yeah. Okay. I'll stick around. Like what I'll do this. That'll make my dad proud, which also then makes sense. Like, yeah, if you're not getting that feedback. And so then it also, had you not thought at all about like, what do I want to do with my life and what do I want? It's just like, what would make them happy perhaps? Like what would get approval? True story. Uh, my parents actually picked my major, uh, my first, my first major in college. I was not allowed to major in what I actually wanted to. So they they picked my major. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay. So what led you then turning down that scholarship? That sounds pretty big. I didn't want to go to the military. I just, I didn't want that life. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a very serious kind of person. I don't do well when I'm given parameters to work within. I don't think that I would have been successful in the military. I will, I will leave it at that. So what did you end up doing? I mean, doing? I, I, I love people who are in the military, you know. Um, I just don't think that I would have been successful in the military. Well, I mean, it's good you made that choice. And even though it created friction, it sounds like. Um, so what did you end up choosing to do? I partied for five years. <laughs> I changed my major five times. I mean, let's just be honest. So then at that point, you sort of start to become more into your own and like looking less like, you know, for the approval and just like. I tried. I mean, I tried on many hats. You know, I changed my major five times. I tried on different, you know, sororities and different groups and different clubs. And I think I did like a few different religions, you know. Um, <laughs> I did a, I did a few myself. religions. I did a few religions, you know, I mean, what was that one? Like there are religions were like trend. What was the one with the wrist? You tied something around your wrist. Like, like I just remember, I remember there being like different religion fads. Yeah. 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 There were multiple religions at my school. Like the guys would just walk around and they're like, you want a free shirt? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Oh boy. The things we did in college. Um, But yeah, yeah. I mean, and then I, unfortunately, you know, I was 20 years old in college kind of floating around and and I met my husband or my ex-husband or my husband at the time. Yeah, I met him when I was in college. So that was kind of the end of the story right there, you know, just kind of bookended it. And what did you end up doing um, from there? Like what what kind of work did you get into and and were you pursuing things because you wanted to or just like, okay, this makes sense or... Nope. I, um, I was working for a little while and then I ended up, uh, working for his company, um, building his company, doing that sort of thing. You know, um, he was 10 years older than I was and I just thought I was doing the right thing, you know, and 19 years later you kind of wake up and you realize "Hmm, this might not have been the right decision, but you know, I can't take it back. I have two wonderful children that I would I would not trade for the world. So, you know, decisions were made. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump because I because I, I'm yeah. wondering. So you just wrote your first book, right? This yes, is your first I did. Book. It's and, called uh, Paper Doll Lena. And it's a novel. Yes. So. Is it, and I haven't, I started it and it's so like engaged. I love novels. I love to get lost in novels. And I write away like first page was like pulled me in, which is saying something, you know, like, <laughs> um, but I haven't read it all. But yeah, was it, um, is part, is any part of it like part of your personal journey or no? I could say that it was inspired by uh, my own personal experiences and those of friends and family and those that I know personally. So yeah. Got it. So pulling from different experiences that. Yeah. I didn't realize what I was doing until after I wrote the book. Like I wrote the book in about nine weeks. <laughs> yeah. Where, like what made you start 
writing. That's what because I like to get into people's journey yeah. and career anyway, just because a lot of times it's not like, sure. yeah, I knew I always sometimes people are I knew I always wanted to do this. And then they worked really hard. But a lot of times it's so many different twists and turns. And I feel like growing up, it's yeah. sort of we're told like you pick a job or a career path and then you like stick with that. Um, so yeah, like, where did coming, where did writing your first novel come from? I've always, I've always <laughs> written. I've always loved to write. You know, I never thought about majoring in English or literature or anything like that in school. <laughs> just wasn't one of those things that people talked about, you know. So I've always just written a story, written stories here and there and here and there. And uh, Charlottesville happened in 2017, you know, when like horrible people showed up. And I just, I could not fathom, I couldn't understand why it was going on. I couldn't reconcile it, so to say, um, you know, with it being what, 2017. Um, so I ended up just kind of turning inward and I broke out my laptop and I purged the story in about nine weeks. I just completely wrote it and uh, didn't quite realize what I was writing until I was in my revisions and I noticed some parallels to my own life and and it made me really analyze um, my own personal relationship and things that were going on in my life. So you just like opened your laptop to distract yourself from the horrors of the world, which I understand, like, because we're still in like a time of every day, what is happening in different ways? <laughs> like, it's COVID. Unfortunately. It's COVID-20. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's Delta. It's Lambda. It's, it's yeah. Texas repealing women's rights. It's, uh, Don't get me yeah, started. That's what <laughs> Yeah. So like, I understand, like, let me just turn. Legit have a handmaid's costume in my closet. Okay. <laughs> Like, uh, so anyway, so you just opened your computer as a way to like distract yourself. Had you ever like written like this before? Like you said, you always love to write, but like, had you like written short stories? Like this feels like quite a big, like, but just for fun, had you done anything with them? I have, I have. Well, a few years prior to that, I, um, I wrote a, several YAs. I ended up getting an agent for okay. my young adult novels that I, that I wrote. We did not sell them. Um, and I eventually, uh, wrote some more books and, um, my husband at the time would not let me revise them. He wouldn't really give me the time or the space to do the revisions necessary. So my agent at the time, uh, severed my relationship because I couldn't produce the work. You know, you have to produce the work if you're going to be a writer, like a working published writer, um, and I couldn't produce it. You know, I just couldn't give her a finished novel. Um, I couldn't produce the level of work that she wanted. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we we parted amicably. And uh, I was just kind of floating. I was like, well, I'll just play around and write what I can. <laughs> um, and then that's when, you know, the story came to me about Lena. And, um, you know, I just took the time to actually write it. I wrote it kind of in secret. I wrote it, you know, whenever I would go pick up the kids, I'd go, 30 minutes early so I could sit in the car, car line, and I could write. So were you still with your ex-husband when you started, when you were writing this? Yes. Got, okay. And let's go back even, so yeah, you sort of tried to nicely tie up your relationship in 19 years. But so like at some point in that time you started, you wanted to like, you got an agent that's huge. You were writing books. So even though it was nothing happened with those previous books, that's like a huge thing to put yourself out there. Like, 
where did that come from along in your life? Like, where were you when you were just like, I'm going to start writing, I'm going to try writing novels and put myself out there. Like, that's a big thing. I had a bunch of friends who were publishing at the time, you know, a bunch of my girlfriends were publishing and they were, um, they were making some pretty big waves in, uh, in YA and, they were like, Robin, you have an idea. I know you have an Go ahead and write that. And I was like, okay, cool. We're going to write. Yay. <laughs> you know, because I was critiquing their books and uh, I ended up writing on my own and, and it was it was fun. It was great. You know, I love YA. I love the genre, but I really love writing women's fiction now. So you just ended up knowing friends that got published and they sort of like pushed <laughs> you along. But then, yeah, so you got the books written, yeah. you got an agent and then you are like, oh my gosh. I'm writing a book. I have an agent. They requested these edits. And I'm guessing what he yeah. wasn't supportive. It just would not be a positive environment to do any work. Um, you know, my laptops would get broken. They would get, I would literally be working on my laptop and they would get, it would get taken away and poured in the, you know, in the sink and water would get poured on them. And um, just some really horrible kind of things like that. Um I was really into reading and uh, my kids love books. They love reading. And it got to the point where we would come home, you know, after karate or after gymnastics or after whatever extracurricular activity the kids had, um, or even after school. And we would come home to plumes of smoke in the backyard when my husband would burn our books. Yeah, it was, it was that kind of toxic environment. It was really just you know, horrible. Everything that was about me was a negative thing, a negative factor, a negative feature. Um, and it was really hard. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It was very difficult. Did your kids ever say anything to you about? Yeah. Yes, they did. They did. They couldn't understand what it was going on, you know, but we were all sort of in the thick of things. And I will say this. Lena in the book, she tries to kind of gloss things over, so to say, because as a mom, you want to gloss things over. You know, you inherently want to protect your husband. You don't want him to be the big bad guy, you know, especially if you're going to stay with him, right? Because in your head, you're like, oh, well, there's a reason why he's doing this. You know, I'm not quite sure, but there's a reason, you know, or at least that's what I was thinking. Okay. And uh, in turn, Lena, you know, she has some some things that her kids see uh, her husband do and she tries to rationalize it. You know, she tries to rationalize because at the end of the day um, there's a passage where she's talking and she goes, Oh, well, my husband just said a few mean words to me. It wasn't abuse. You know, like I don't have any broken bones and I don't have any bruises. Um, It's just awful things that he says and awful things that he does, but it's not like abuse abuse. We're just having a really rough patch. And I think that, that was my mindset back then. And I think a lot of women kind of have that mindset because you think, oh, it's just a rough patch. We'll look at through this. Something will happen, you know, because at the end of the day, abuse is not always a constant line of abuse. You know, there's the cycles, there's the up and down, and up. there's the wonderful love bombing and there's the wonderful joyful times. And then, you know, you get hit with those crashes of just terrible times. And, um, then it goes, the cycle picks back up, you know, the, uh, the apologies come out and, you know, the blaming comes out and then you start feeling guilty and you're like, well, maybe it is my fault. Maybe that, 
Because after so many years, your brain is kind of not your own brain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, there's there's definitely some damage that, that gets done. And I'm not saying brain damage, but there's some damage that gets done, you know, as far as your rationalizing and as far as the way that you have your worldview, because your worldview is no longer your own personal worldview. Um, it's that of your partners, because that's what your partner wants you to think. Yeah. I mean, I've never been in a relationship with that, but just even being in a relationship with someone who was more Count your like, blessings. could never <laughs> see good in anything or like negative, even that. And it was like, mm-hmm. suck the life out of me. But yeah, like it sort of like, I didn't realize how much it was limiting my potential for joy or feeling proud of myself or excited yeah. or seeing the possibilities yeah, in like my life because vampire. this person didn't yeah. allow it for themselves. So then they also couldn't allow it for other people, even though they loved me and even though and like, yeah, like, so I can't even imagine like those layers where I'm like, uh, you know, like just in my own experience of like this very, you know, was small, but just seeing even now with me not being in that relationship, how like (gasps) the capacity for everything is so much greater for joy, for possibilities, for believing in myself, for all of that once again. Oh, yeah. And then you think, why did I put up with that for so long? What was I thinking? You know, (laughs) it's one of those moments. Trisha here bring you a brief interruption and suggestion. If you enjoy my podcast, you are for sure going to love Kathy Heller's podcast. It's called Don't Keep Your Day Job. She is a top podcaster, entrepreneur, business coach, and author, and she sits down with successful creative entrepreneurs to learn what it takes to make a living doing what you love. So we're somewhat similar, but different. I love how she gets into the guest story, similar how I do. On her podcast, you'll get to hear from incredible minds like actor Matthew McConaughey, entrepreneur Seth Godin, my good friend, singer-songwriter Jason Mraz, and even myself. I got to be a guest last year, and she also talks to everyday people who are quitting their jobs and building their own businesses. If you are tired of building someone else's dream, if you want to quit your job and get paid to do work you're passionate about, then this is a show for you. And if you visit kathyheller.com slash Trisha, that's T-R-I-C-I-A, you'll get my episode on Don't Keep Your Day Job plus free access to Kathy's Dream Path Workshop so that you can take action and start living life on your terms. Go check it out. I adore Kathy. And A, if you are also looking for some support, some clarity in your life, and maybe it's not about your work, it's just life in general, send me a message, send me an email at podcast at yourdwildjust.com because I'm about to launch a new intimate group coaching program. So I'm super excited about it. If you want to know about the details, hit me up, send a message. Enrollment is starting this week, and I am so excited about this journey. I'm going to take not that many people on. I'm starting small because I really want people to show up, commit, and to be accountable. All right, so go check out kathyheller.com slash Trisha and or send me an email or a DM at underscore Trisha Huffman. All right, back to the episode. So how did you end up finally getting out, snapping out, seeing things a different way to make yourself be able to? Wow. Well, abuse always escalates. Um, I've been saying it all day. It 
it escalates. You know, once someone is comfortable taking the power and control over another person, they want more. You know, they want to consume your entire worldview, your entire world, until there's nothing left of you. And uh, unfortunately, in my case, my abuse escalated to where I had to take out a protective order. And it was a really difficult decision. I know it sounds really stupid now, but it was a difficult decision that I had to make. And I am forever thankful that I, that I made it. And so you said you were started to write this book while you were still in that relationship. You would go and yeah, like leave, get, sit in mm-hmm. the carpool line 30 minutes earlier or whatever, which I understand my kids yeah. just started school. And I asked a mom in line yesterday who was right in the line, like, what time did you line up to get this spot? And it was like almost an hour before school got out. <laughs> Oh, those man, carpool moms I was are like, gangsters. Oh. I am telling you, they don't play. They do not play. I dare you to try to cut one of them off. I dare. So you. anyway, I can visualize you getting there early and using it as an opportunity to work for yourself, and you got a prime spot for carpool. Oh yeah, I got the prime spot, and I got some snake eyes because of that. They're like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> but did it at all? And like, again, you just started writing this. I'm sure you weren't like trying to write it in a way like did somehow writing this book, even though it's not your story, like, did it somehow give you like more power, more ability to see things like, do you, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if you writing this book somehow oh, propelled it, it definitely you to opened my eyes. leave like I'm writing this story about this person, this, <laughs> this person. And that like, did that help you to get the strength to start seeing things and making changes? It did. It really did. Um, as I was revising the book, I started seeing parallels, you know, and, and it really made me start analyzing my own personal relationship. And, you know, some really tragic things happened to Lena in the book. Um, I, I didn't want to be that person, you know, so to say, without giving anything away. It does have a hopeful ending. Ding! Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I personally you know, I felt a catharsis. There was that moment in, in revising and, and, and really, you know, drafting the revisions that was very therapeutic for me, you know, even afterwards, after I got out of the relationship and I was still working on revisions, I was able to see more clearly, you know, the signs and more clearly the things that, you know, kind of paralleled my life, like with, with what Lena was going through and, and how she was able to process it and her mind process at the same time, because, you know, there's a lot of interiority um, that that Lena has to, to process. So um, how does it feel like, so you said you've written several books now, but is, this is the first one that got to be published. Yes. yes. The others will never see the light of day. Never. Why do you think, is it just like you just are in a different place? Is it just? I am. I'm in a completely different place. Um, I used to write like fun YA spy stuff. I don't think I could capture that voice now. I feel like my writing has matured. Um, My voice has matured. My writing style has matured a lot. Um, Not to say that you have to be anything else to write YA. I think YA is brilliant, especially the YA nowadays is just brilliant. I wish I would have had that kind of literature when I was uh, growing up. But I just don't feel like that is the way that I'm going to be telling stories. I love writing women's fiction. I adore, you know, being able to really just dive into the characters and really explore women as adults, you know, writing about 
women as teenagers, that's fun. That's awesome. But, you know, as adults, we've lived, we've gone through some things. We've had some hurts. We have, you know, some barriers that need to come down. So many layers. Um, (laughs) So many layers. There's so many more layers that you can peel apart and pick apart and, and just expose. And I love, I love the human nature that, um, that writing women's fiction gives me just that, that peek into kind of being a woman, you know, like I love writing about women. I don't think I could ever write a male character, but like as a, as a lead, but I love writing what I write. What was the experience like then, especially if you had had an agent before and that sort of fell apart, then like wrote this new book. Did you go in the process of finding a new agent? And then also like, it's a sensitive, you know, it's sensitive topics. And the fact that, again, it's not your story, but like with there being similarities, like how has it been this process of going through like publish my book, you know, I wrote a book and then now it's, did it come out today? No, wait, it came. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Like, so yeah. So it's already out when you're listening to this, but like, so yeah. How has that process been of, you know, cause again, like I, this is a novel. It's different. I'm like, I am writing my first book right now, but it's nonfiction, but it's still, it's like this process of, I feel like so many things we do. It's like, look at me, look, I have this thing. It's awesome. You know, you want it. But then also like, Oh, I don't know. Am I enough? Am I like, there's like, like a push pull struggle. And then, so again, like this is a novel, not your story, but just, it's still like, this is something I put my heart and soul into. Like, so what has that journey been like for you? So imposter syndrome is real. (laughs) I will say that. Um, You know, but the journey has been amazing. You know, you surround yourself with people who believe in you. I think that's the most important thing. And I found an amazing agent when I was querying um, initially, she gave me a revise and resubmit. She was like, I like the premise. I like the story you can write. However, I'm not quite ready to... Uh, represented at this time. And she gave me some, some, some techniques and she gave me some, some tips on how to make it a stronger story. I followed her tips and she ended up signing me, you know, and, and it was just wonderful. And she's the agent who she's the kind of agent who just, when she signs a, a client, she just truly believes in the story and she truly believes in your career as a writer. And I think that that's more important. You know, it's not just one book. It's how many stories do you have to tell? Are you a real storyteller? Can you tell these incredible stories? And and I love telling stories. I've always done it. Um, And in turn, you know, when we were selling the book, when we're shopping the book, she sent it to my editor on, I think a Friday, a Thursday or Friday. And by Monday, my editor wanted to meet with me um, to offer representation and I thought that was just incredible because she just consumed it over. She was like, I wasn't even planning on reading this, but I read the first page and then it was Sunday and I was done. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's, let's do this. And we had the same vision. You know, she had the same vision because she had her own experience, her own personal experience with some similarities in the book. And at the end of the day, it's a universal story, you know, whether you're, no matter your race, no matter your socioeconomic status, a woman struggling, we can identify, you know, like women can identify with other women who have struggles, who have insecurities, who have, you know, some things in her past that cause her to make really bad decisions sometimes, you know? Um, 
so ultimately, you know, the process has been amazing. And I love my editor. She has been so incredible. And like book two is due in a few weeks. I hope I get it finished in a few weeks, <laughs> but I'm really excited to, to wrap it up and, and, and get on to the next one. You know, that's so awesome. And yeah, unfortunately, when, right before you were about to say it's a universal topic, I was like thinking the same thing. Like, unfortunately, I think like every woman, even if they have never suffered, because yeah, it's not just, phys- you know, we so often think it's like about physical abuse, but like mental abuse, financial abuse was something that like I had never heard of being coined that way until recently. And I think unfortunately, yeah, that we have all had some level of that. And if it hasn't been personal, then someone we know close by. But I think like a lot, I think unfortunately most women have had, even if it's just someone that they was, you know, would have attempted to do that and maybe they didn't have it, but on some level, unfortunately. So, I mean, well, if you look at the statistics, one in four women will experience intimate partner violence within their lifetime, one in four. And those are just the women who have, you know, either been hospitalized or have, you know, reported it or have, you know, admitted to it. One in four, that's, that's your friend group. How many people in your friend group, if you really think about it on those terms, have experienced intimate partner violence or will experience intimate partner violence? You know, even men, one in seven men, four in seven trans people, you know, within their relationships. This is larger than just, you know, one person. I mean, if I can, if I can say it like that, it's larger than my story. It's larger than, than your story. It's larger than, than this book. Um, And my, my goal is just to have this book start a conversation because we need to talk about it more. We need to talk about coercive control. We need to talk about, I think Cori Bush, um, she's a representative. I forgot what state she represents though, but she's a representative and she actually wanted to uh, bring about coercive control in the definition of domestic violence uh, when it comes to VAWA, which is violence against women at the violence against women's act, which has been waiting for congressional approval for 20 something years. Unfortunately, I mean, it's been a long time. Um, Will it get passed? Fingers crossed, eventually one day. But, you know, it's a larger situation and it it incorporates so much more. And I think, you know, I I pray one day she's she's able to accomplish that goal. Me too. And I I really think like, yeah, like how important it is to have this sort of subject matter coming into a novel because, you know, like that makes it like, yeah, like I read novels like that's like my go to for self care for joy. Like it's the one thing I can Mine like too. immerse myself, right? Because you like you can't like yeah. just like be distracted because then I have to read the same page over and over again. You know, like those are my favorite. Like yeah, when the book you oh my gosh, I read this in two days because I just couldn't like stop. Like which, like you know what happened to your the, the editor that ended up signing you, but um when these sorts of things come up and it's just like with TV shows, you know, so like when those subject matters and that sort of character and, and topics come up, then it sort of allows us to pay more attention to them in our own lives and see like, it's okay to talk mm-hmm. about them. And so I think the fact of it being in a novel, which is something that we do for like entertainment purposes, many ways and like to nurture ourselves, then it like, I think it really will do a lot to 
have somebody looking at their own relationships and to speak up about things. Like, I honestly think it's so huge and that I really think that it's going to make a lot of changes and transformations in people's life. And like, you just never know how it's going to impact people. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm glad that you brought that up because I always say that a book is either a window or mm. a mirror, you know, a window so you can look out and, and have entertainment or a mirror where you can have some self-reflection. And my my prayer is that Paper Dollina will be both a mirror and a window because there are some very entertaining parts in the story. You know, I didn't want to bog down the story with just some really heavy topics. Um, there's romance in there. You know, there's some fun in there when, when her best friend, you know, enters the story because Nancy is a hot mess and she is awesome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's there's some really great parts in it, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to the mirror, I want people to see the abuse. I want them to feel and experience Lena's thought process and and just the way she kind of rationalizes things and just the way she experiences things and to have it reflect upon their own lives, upon their own relationships. So that's kind of Okay, now switching sort of again. Also, this is freaking huge. Yeah. Like your first book came out. Your second one is due in a couple weeks. I mean, how proud of yourself are yourself? Like, have you been able to be like, holy shit, I'm a published author. <laughs> Look at me. Look what I've done. Because it's not just like the writing of the book, but the leaving of the relation. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah, like what your path has looked like. And I just hope you're able to soak that in and acknowledge yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I can't think of anything else but to be grateful. In all honesty, throughout this whole process, I have just been so grateful, you know, grateful to my agent for believing in me, grateful for my kids, for giving me the space to do the work that I needed to do. Um, grateful for my editor for, for believing in me and championing me at the end of the day. You know, grateful for the people that I have in my life now who believe in me, who champion me, who just really kind of have my back. I mean, this whole process has been amazing. The readers who've reached out to me, the reviewers who've left these amazing reviews, you know, I'm like, dude, you read my book, like my book book, like, wow, (laughs) like strangers are reading my book, you know, and they don't, it's not, it doesn't suck. Um, You know, but, but I just, I don't feel anything more than just gratitude. I'm just so grateful, even for like podcasters like you who just take your your time to interview me and spread the word. I mean, this whole day has just, I think we're on 28 <laughs> interviews. I know it's been nonstop, which is awesome. But I'm just, I'm grateful for just everyone's time and just for just the energy that I've gotten from everybody. It's just, it's been amazing. It really has. And I really hope that you know, that comes across. And I really hope that I'm able to find more readers who can identify with, with what's going on. In the and book. how about your kids? They have got to be so proud of you. They're all right. <laughs> they are. They are. They, um, I think it hit my son last year when it was just the three of us and we went on a little vacay by ourselves and we'd never really gone on a vacation, you know, just the three of us. And we went to this farm of all places just to kind of unwind for fall break. And he sat down next to me and he goes, mom, you sold a book. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I did. 
I really did. <laughs> and then when my book boxes actually came, um, I was just a hot mess. I mean, I was bawling because like it's a book, but he held the book and he goes, it's like real. And I'm like, I know, right? It's like real. <laughs> they can't take it away now. <laughs> they can't undo it. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they're really supportive. That's great. Okay. I'm going to ask you real quick, some questions I ask everybody. One is what do you do to raise your joy levels when you might be feeling a bit blah? You're supposed to like maybe do your 29th interview and you're kind of over it. Like what do you do to boost your mood? <laughs> I think of five things that I'm, I'm thankful for in all honesty. Um, cause it could be worse, you know, and I know that sounds like a cop out. It could be worse, but no matter where you are, it could be worse. Like literally it could be worse. Um, so yeah, I just, I just think of things that I'm, I'm thankful for. Okay. Ask everybody to finish or yeah, to finish this statement or to fill it in for themselves. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So it might be like a habit, a way of being. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. What is easiest for me is not to go to the gym. What is best for me is to go to the gym. <laughs> so remind yourself, how will I feel? How do I feel after I do that? Those are my reminders. How will oh I feel? My and my go-to yes. is any minutes is more than no minutes. Because we can feel like, oh, I got to go for an hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. And I'm like, 20 minutes. Let me like go take a 10-minute walk. <laughs> okay. And then like you feel good. And then it usually propels yeah. you to do more. Or just like, look, I got... 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I do the, um, what's it? Mel Robbins yeah. has the five second rule, you know? So it's like, if you don't want to do something or if you're questioning, just count to five <laughs> and do it anyway. And then you'll, you'll feel better. Like at the end of the day, I, I went to, to go do, I think it was like hot Pilates or something. And I, I'd been kind of not wanting to do it and kind of putting it off for a hot minute. And afterwards I was like, I called, I called my boyfriend and I was like, why haven't I done this like this whole time? Like, I feel great. I want to go back. I want to do another session. Like I'm pouring sweating and I love this. Why have I not been going? Um, so yeah, it's, it's that tug, right? No. Yeah. It's like the hardest part is like getting in the door, getting whatever, getting off your couch or getting in the car or wherever, like if you're going somewhere else in the car. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Getting out of the car. Okay. Oh the gosh. last thing is the name of the podcast is Claim It, which I sort of um, talked about earlier, whereas I feel like so often we're putting like, oh, I'll feel enough when, I'll feel worthy when, I'll feel successful when, I'll feel fulfilled when. And we're constantly putting these like on these external markers and we might feel it for a little bit, but then we just keep on chasing it. And I believe that we can claim mm -hmm. those things and anything more for ourselves at any moment of the day. And like, that's where we can really feel it. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves all day long, like I am enough. I am enough. I, but what are yes. you claiming for yourself right now? I am claiming that I am a best-selling author and I know I, I, so far I'm an Amazon bestseller. Yay. In several categories. Um, but I would, I would really just because the validation and it would allow me to write, you know, more books and kind of give me the freedom to write the kind of books that I want to write. I would love to be a best. I love author. it. And when I like, again, yeah. my I book is coming out, out next year. So like, again, like when I try to like, oh, blah, 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 does that mean like my ego? But it's really like the fact is if you're a bestselling author, that means no. your story is reaching more people and you don't know who you could be changing that. Yes, that means you get to write more stories. It's like exactly. sometimes I think we stop ourselves from yeah. like allowing like, oh, no, no, is that 
but you know, like, no, no, no. But the big picture is yeah. by you being a best-selling author, you don't know how many people's lives you could change by them reading the story and them waking up to exactly. what they've been putting up with or what they're ready to change. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let me know how oh, I can support you thank next year. You. That's so exciting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I'm so excited for you and your book. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I feel so lucky that I got to talk to Robin. I mean, I think it's just huge to write your first book, period. I think I have even more respect these days, I feel like, for novelists and then the fact that she's writing about such important subject matter. So please get the book, gift the book. Um, as she said, one in four women. Ugh. All right. So go check her out. Robin Lucas, the book name is Paper Doll Lena. You can find full show notes at yourdryologist.com backslash podcast and find all the episodes there. You can find everything me, including my app, my coaching work, my product line at yourdryologist.com. And also, I've been forgetting to say this. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe and leave a review. And if you leave a review, you can screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourdryologist.com and I will send you a gift from my product line. All right, um, final thought. Hmm, what are you, you know, I am, I was like, I hope you are proud of yourself, I was saying to Robin. And I want you right now, wherever you are in your life, even if you're like, I don't know, I'm a mess. I want you to be proud of yourself. Take a moment and think of at least one thing you can be proud of yourself for right now. You'd be like, I listened to this podcast. Be proud of yourself for that. <laughs>